Hey, thank you for tuning in to Gary's Shortlist Podcast. Today, we're having a chat with Brett Hill. Brett Hill is a mindfulness expert. You may be wondering what mindfulness is, and if you are, please tune in. We talk about the benefits of uh, mindfulness in your workplace and in your personal life. Brett comes all the way from Washington and is the expert in mindfulness, so uh, please enjoy. Welcome, Brett Hill. Thank you so much for joining Gary's Shortlist podcast. Brett, you are an expert in mindfulness. And um, for our listeners out there today, uh, we hope to cover the area of mindfulness. Our listeners may or may not heard about mindfulness. Uh, I'm going to hand over to the expert here to tell us (laughs) what is mindfulness? What is mindfulness? Well, boy, that's a a bigger question than it might sound like. Um, (laughs) There's a lot of people with different definitions about it, but they kind of all center around the same sort of thing. And basically, when you're talking about mindfulness, you're talking about being in a state of mind, or where you're aware of your experience, and and, an open sort of way. So it's it, you know, that can sound a little bit woo woo. But really, the, the thing is, it's actually really not it's there's a lot of science behind this um a lot of neuroscience and just a ton of research coming around around it that basically um there's a practice of mindfulness like a mindfulness meditation practice and it basically goes to paying attention to your your experience and so the practice of that is like i'm just going to focus on my breathing it's like as simple and idiotic in a way if you want to think of it that way as that i'm just going to pay attention to my breathing well Okay, so people might go, well, how is that going to help me? You just notice what it feels like to breathe. Now, you know, we breathe a million times a day, but when we don't pay attention to it, but you can. And what happens when you do is some very interesting things. You begin to just notice what it feels like. And that actually helps to train your brain to tune in to what's going on in your physiology, in your sensory perception. Now, let's just fast forward that. Let's say you did that 10 minutes, 20 minutes a day for a month, and you're going, okay, well, how's that going to help me? All right, then, okay, you're at a construction site. Some guy walks up to you and says, oh, my God, this stuff didn't get delivered. And suddenly, instead of spewing back out some reaction, you're going, well, I'm noticing, like I do with my breathing, that I'm getting all freaked out. And do I just want to snap? Or do I want to pause and think about what is the next best thing to do and ask why? What does this matter? What's the impact on you rather than be reactive and angry? It's really, it really ties in like that. It's really a direct cause and effect by simply paying attention to your experience in an open way. And then what happens is people start to practice this mindfulness meditation and immediately they start to go to their to-do list, right? So it's like, okay, I'm supposed to take attention to my breathing, but you know, a minute later I'm thinking about, oh, I got this, I got that, I got, cool. You just notice that you're thinking about something else and you bring your attention back. So it's this process of always coming back, always coming back to your in the moment experience. So, um, that's really a kind of a high level overview of the of the basic practice of a mindfulness meditation and how it can as, as strange as it may sound how it can help you because it's actually a neurology you're training your brain to pay attention to your experience and that helps you in a million ways so brett 
the term collective mindfulness and um, or organisational mindfulness, mindfulness. Um, could you tell us a bit about that? Well, there's this um, the idea, this is a really big thing happening right now. Uh, mindfulness is being adopted by organisations because it makes business sense. So it's not only human thing to do, a good human thing to do, like contribute to a nonprofit or support your community. So business is in the business of making money, right? That's what they do. But businesses are beginning to understand that for them to make money and at the same time burn out all their employees and have stressed out people with high turnover, even though they may compensate them well, uh, is or may not as the case may be, but still the high turnover has a, and the stress causes mistakes. There's a, there's an absolute cost involved in your business. There's safety involved. There's a lot of um, tremendous risks involved with not realizing that we can actually take scientifically based steps to create a culture that supports more mindfulness in our processes, in our business processes. Well, um, try and put a dollar figure on that. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, try to, particularly these big, big, big companies. It's like the bigger the company, the, let's just say that you spent $100,000 on a mindfulness program and it saved you uh, one big catastrophic problem at a construction site. Hmm. Can I do that 10 more times? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of big companies, I I understand that you were with Microsoft, and uh, yeah, and when I did my research, uh, you were the most considered the most valuable professional at Microsoft for nine years. Tell tell us about Microsoft. Okay, uh, well, I worked as uh, I was hired there originally. I had a business where originally I say you know decades ago, a long time ago, I had a business where I was headed. I realized that web server security was going to be a thing. I was a technical guy, and um, I'd realized that web server security, this was like the internet was starting to blow up, and I realized server security is going to be a thing, and I made myself an expert in server security. And eventually, and I started getting published, and I was all over the place uh, back in the day, and Microsoft picked up the phone one day and called me and said, hey, why don't you come to work for us as our web server security guy. I said, okay. So I moved to Redmond, uh, Washington, where I still am, and, and went to work for them for quite a few years, being what they call a technical evangelist for their servers uh, and their server security um, messaging. And so I flew around the world lecturing about technical issues to people that were interested. And it was a ton of fun. It was a great job. Um, and so after that, I left and um, I, I still was involved with cloud services and became an expert in what became Office 365 and started writing articles for that. And they have a program where for people who aren't in Microsoft that are in the community, if you support their services uh, in a way that where you're, you're out writing your original articles and you're explaining how this stuff works then you can be named as a most valuable professional and they will, they will basically, so it's an, it's not an award. It's well, it is kind of an award. Yeah. It's an award that they say, Oh, you in this field of servers or cloud services, we're going to recognize that you're a professional, that you're a valuable professional in this field. Um, and so they award those to, to various people in various industries. Terrific. Terrific. Wow. That's an interesting past. And uh Obviously, one of the biggest giants in in business. Um, 
So with going back to what we we're talking about a moment ago, um, perhaps taking so if I got if I've got this right, it might be in a moment of stress, as you described, somebody runs up and says your delivery is not going to be here today. And instead of the immediate reaction that you would generally have, I guess having a pause. Um, exactly that. Yeah. So pausing and 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 then I guess I think with the pause. Um, when I was thinking about that, I was thinking about a book that I've been reading recently called Think Again uh, mm-hmm. by Adam Grant, which uh, was was passed on to me, and it's fantastic. It's literally about, um, you know, when you get caught up in a decision-making process and you almost have a, you know, perhaps a sunk cost effect where where it is like that's the decision to be made. There's no question about it. And, and Think mm-hmm. Again, this book, Think Again, is really, really interesting where it's like, hang on a minute. Take, yeah. that pa- take that pause, get that helicopter view happening, and there's a good chance that the decision you're about to make is a, you know, potentially the wrong one. Um, so I guess to ask you then the, some of the benefits that can arise from mindfulness um, yeah. in your decision-making process, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What, could well, you, what could you tell us there? Well, it's a long, we can take the same kind of capability. Like, let's say that you've been practicing mindfulness and you've learned to notice when you start to get kind of hyper aroused, you know, and or reactive. And you take that breath. And in that moment, you have a choice. Now that is so crucial, because uh, it's literally I have a, um, uh, I have a podcast called the language of mindfulness. And I have a session, uh, one of my most popular ones called creating freedom and because in that pause now you have a choice and that is the essence of freedom right because if i'm just on automatic there's no one at home there's no one making a choice i'm not free to figure out what makes the best sense here because i'm just doing a knee-jerk sort of reaction so truly mindfulness is about true freedom and that's the ability to manufacture the opportunity to have choices out of thin air you just literally take a breath kaboom oh you know maybe i should figure out what's happening under the hood here maybe i should ask some questions maybe maybe i need to you know go make an immediate action rather than be reactive so you get the chance to make more choices and usually those choices like you said think again will be better choices mm. so that's one of the 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 things is the ability to increase your range of responsiveness in any given interaction or moment. Another uh, well-documented benefit is the reduction of stress. It's just like generally people who practice mindfulness are a lot less stressed than people who don't. And and so just take your stress level, whatever, like I often use a meter example, like if you're running around at an eight, and you could just, with 10 minutes a day, you could make that be a six. What would that do for your life? Yeah. Everywhere, your relationships, yeah. your business, you know, sleep, your, you know, negotiations with uh, business partners, um, th- just everywhere you go, life is going to be a little bit better for you. And those kinds of leverage points in life are really hard to find, uh, where they just it's a, you know, like they say, rising tides lift all boats. It's like that. It like influences everything. So there's stress. There's the ability to make better choices. There's also uh, people who have problems with addictions or 
or depression, there's evidence to show that um, mindfulness can help with those things as well. Um, plus, I mean, and the list goes on and on. There's immunological benefits. It just it overall makes you a healthier person. Yeah, yeah. And um, with mindfulness comes the ability to, to listen deeply. And, and can you tell us a little bit about that, what, what, what that is? Yeah, sure. It's like you have, I would say, comes the potential to listen deeply. And right. that's one of the things I specialize in is in communications. And so one of the, let me give you a quick example. It's like one of the things that causes us as a species, if you will, to have so much difficulty is that there's a lot of focus, particularly in um, America, and I'm not so sure, but I think this may be similar um, in Australia, is on individuality, like our own individuality. Yeah, yeah indeed. Um, and so it's like, there's a lot of, well, I'm in my own, I'm you know taking care of my own, that kind of thing. And, and there's a lot of focus, therefore, on how I'm not like a lot of other people or, or a lack of connection with other people. Well, when you become mindful, you begin to have an opportunity to connect with a lot of different kinds of people because you begin to realize that we are all having a shared human experience. And this actually goes, now that might sound kind of fluffy, but if you really, really dig into it, it goes really deep, really fast. Um, and I'm just going to jump to kind of a, a, a strange thing to say. But it's weird to be born into a life where we, we know that everybody you're going to meet someday, we're all going to die. Okay, that's a shared common experience that we all know we have a limited lifetime on this planet. Now, what does that give us in common? A tremendous amount. Just that one fact. We've all known what it's like to be like a two or three month, a one year old little child unable to take care of itself. In other words, if an adult wasn't looking out for you, you're, you're going to die. And so we've all known what it means to be completely and utterly dependent on other people to live. Mm. And so it's very interesting to me that that later morphs into adulthood. Well, I'm on my own and I made myself and all that. It's kind of, well, I'm sorry, but you were <laughs> kept alive by people <laughs> for years. In fact, yeah. humans have one of the longest periods of having infants that can't take care of themselves uh, of all the species like we're the like the worst in it kind of like you know you can't let a, a six-year-old run around without supervision no practically no other planet uh, animal on the planet is like that they all right, take care of themselves right. a lot earlier and so we all know that utter dependency we all know what it's like to be sick really sick and we all know what it's like to have have a heartbreak or to have successes, or to be hungry, or to, you know, be disappointed and to have celebrations. I mean, if you really dig under the hood, you don't have to look very far to realize that we share a tremendous amount in common. Right. Now, when you start with that in a conversation, it changes the conversation. Instead of being focused on how different and standalone I am, yeah, I am different and I do have uniqueness, but I also have a lot in common and I can land on that common ground with almost anybody 
And that increases the range of um, my effective capacity to engage with a wide variety of folk um, very effectively. And right. so, so, and that in, in is actually for a lot of people, that's pretty satisfying. It's a pretty, pretty good place to be. So we almost cross over then into the emotional intelligence side, I would think, whereas, um, and, 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 and again, I, I put on my hat, we hear that term a lot, yeah. um, particularly in, in corporate world now, it's all about emotional intelligence and, uh, what can you tell us about developing emotional intelligence? Do you think emotional intelligence can be developed and oh, or yeah. is it just something you're born with? No, well, both, but so everybody can develop more emotional intelligence. It's just like right. mindfulness. People can develop a capacity to be more mindful. It's just, right. it's, 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 there's a science involved. It's not, this isn't, you know, and I mean, actual bona fide science. So you can sit down and do certain things and that will help you be more effective to navigate emotional waters as well as your own awareness and um, perception. Um, and so consequently, if you decide to do that, and I should hope that everyone would because there isn't a more effective engagement, in my opinion, for anyone to improve the quality of their life and the life of the people around you than that. Now, it's hard. That's one reason a lot of people don't do it because it's hard. This is one of the hardest things that a person can do is right. to seriously, seriously start to, to do this because our brains work against it. Our brains don't want to slow us down. There's this saying, you know, if you want to get more done, slow down. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of like that. It's kind of like, we're also, oh, well, what if, what if you did 20% less, but you were 60% more effective? Yeah. Yeah. You know? Uh, so emotional intelligence is definitely something that people can learn by by studying not only your experience but also learning how other people excuse me just a second um, other other people can um, how other people work how other mm. people's emotions work and the best way to learn that is by studying yourself. I was about to say is that is that the starting point? Is it self awareness? Well, to me, it is. I think uh, some emotional intelligence um, courses um, can can focus on both. But my particular bias is that in order to be an effective, effective, understand and implement emotional intelligence in your life, you must also be mindful. And yeah. so it always starts for me with the capacity to simply be present with your experience. Then when I'm present with another person, I can... I can, and I'm not being reactive, and I'm feeling and sensing and talking to them about what's going on. And I have my agenda, I have things I want to get done. And I'm also hearing them and I'm relating to them as a person who has the things we talked about emotions, fears, dreams, a family, desires. They're in context, right? Yeah, I want them to get the work done, but also let's talk to them about the talk to them in the context of their lives. And that's going to facilitate your conversation in a way where you can actually help to help, help to navigate whatever's going on in a way to make it more possible that they can actually get the work done and be happier doing it and do a better job. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's awesome. 
Look, it sounds like mindfulness is the key to everything, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not blowing smoke there. But it, but it, it as I put these pieces together, it really, it's really resonating with me. Um, one thing that I was thinking about as you were talking then was for the ability of professional people uh, or senior management in organisations. Uh, it's, it, I think. Would I be right in saying that you know developing your mindfulness would really improve your um, your delivery or your your public speaking or your or your professional speaking? Oh yeah, you know, and I was a professional public speaker, um, and so it's absolutely true. You know, you walk onto a stage, and you know this whole notion of being present with your experience—it feels really different to be on right. a stage, and then you learn over time to learn how to actually connect with your audience. Because like I said before, we're all humans, right? So if I'm, if I'm talking to people in the room, like man, we have this tremendous amount in common. People, there's a vibe around that and it changes the way you speak. It changes the cadence, your rate. It changes your eye contact. It changes your body language. And people just get it that you're really being present. And when people feel you being present with them, they want to trust you. They want to open to you. They want to relax because they feel like you're someone who's really showing up. You're really bringing who you are in a very full and intentional way to an engagement, whether it be one to many or one to few or one to one. Same thing's true in small groups, you know, sitting around a team. Yeah. And are there anyone you can? Are there any people that you could tell us about? You know, in the in the the world of famous people, actors, um, politicians, or, or the like that that you've that you've noticed that really hone in on their mindfulness for success. Well, I have to think about that one. I mean, strangely enough, a lot of the people who do that they don't advertise, you know, around it, and they don't, they don't want to, so I'm going to, I'll tell you an, an unusual one, and that's the, the coach for the Seahawks football team, right? he, Pete Carroll, he is a mindfulness fan, and so is the quarterback of the team, they both, they both practice mindfulness, and so uh, he's been on some YouTube videos and stuff like that, and you don't, if you watch him, you can see when he's doing his post-game interviews, you can see that he's always got um, his, what he's saying is very, con- he's very conscious about his words and yeah. how he speaks. And he doesn't, he's, he's never really very reactive or he's never seems, dis- he never seems distracted. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's very, it's very evident to me that that is a, that that is a, um, a mature, mindfulness practice that's a mind who has uh um who is actually using mindfulness in the public eye and he's not walking around going look how great i am because i can be my he's just doing it he's just being he's just showing up so it's the secret sauce that's what you're telling us well i think it really truly is because i think that without it you're only living a quarter of your life Mm. you're Mm. only realizing a part of who you are and you're living in reaction the rest of the time. And it might yep. not feel that way, but neurologically, that's exactly what's going on. There's a bunch of fabulous research coming out that shows this is really interesting. It's like they put, uh, they wire up people and they and they have them like um, 
figure out when they're going to like move, like when are you going to move your arm? Right. And so, and they say, tell us the moment you decide to move your arm and you know, the lights start to go off and the guy says, okay, I'm, I'm going to move my arm. And he starts to move. Well, what they find out is that they actually, the muscles and the nerves to move your arm start to fire and go off well before the person realizes that they've made the decision. Mm-hmm. In other words, the decision, when you think you're making a decision, you made the dis- your body and your neurology made that decision a long time ago. And you're just, and it's just telling you, and it yeah. feels like, oh, I made a choice, but really what's happening is you just became aware of the choice that your body had already made. Yeah, right. <laughs> wow. Wow. It's, it's amazing. And if you put that on, it's kind of like, well, how much am I, how much am I in agency? Yeah. And that is really a huge question right now, right. Um, because it turns out a tremendous amount of the things that people think they're choosing, they're not choosing. Yeah. They're, yeah. They just think that they are. Absolutely. And that that's, and then that's where heuristics enter, right? Um, and the fight and flight and all that cool stuff yeah, around yeah, psychology. Yeah. Habituations of, of yeah. mind. Habits, and, um, yeah. Biases and habits yeah. all come into play. And there are so many weird things you can do just by saying certain words, you can change people's behavior and they can measure this. Just, yeah. Or, or showing certain pictures. Will yeah, change symbols. People's behaviors. Yeah. Symbols and signs and uh, semiotics. It's yeah. crazy. Brett, uh, if any of our listeners would like to understand more about mindfulness, tell us about your podcast. Where can they jump on? Sure. Uh, Just go to iTunes and search for The Language of Mindfulness or wherever you go, Spotify or, you know, I'm not sure of the other platforms, but those those are the two big ones, Spotify, Apple, you know, uh, and Google as well, Amazon. Terrific. And you've got a, I know you're in the final throes of your book. Um, Yep, yep. The, the language of mindfulness. It's also called the language of mindfulness, which came out of a TEDx talk that I was going to do for this year, 2021, uh, but it got canceled because of COVID. And then they said sure. they're going to reschedule it. And then they canceled it again. So I got, <laughs> so uh, I, I've got this TEDx talk all developed, and it was accepted, but it never got developed. But right. it was called the language of mindfulness. And I so I said, oh, I'm going to write a book, and I'm going to start a business on this because I really love it. And so uh, languageofmindfulness.com is my website. And uh, the book is by the same name. And it should be out um, hopefully January 2022. Great. Well, I right. encourage uh, our listeners to, to keep an ear out and, and encourage our listeners to jump onto your podcast, which I'll certainly do as well. Thank Brent you. Hill, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you uh, from, from Australia today. And, and, and thank you for joining us from Washington. Uh, on behalf of all the listeners, thank you so much and uh, have a fantastic day. And we may, we may reach out to you for a, for a part two at some point. Let's do that. Indeed. A ton of fun. Thank you so much for asking me. Thank you very much, Brett.